From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Horror Week 2023. <laughs> hey, here we are. All right. Welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption. With me this week is the host of the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. His name is Sean. And Sean, how are you doing this evening? John, you old gourd dick so-and-so. How you been doing? <laughs> All right, podcast's <laughs> over. We're not going to top that. So I'm doing pretty good. I haven't been called a gourd dick in a while, so I appreciate that. Have you? That's happened before? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. I think oh, it has. Oh, okay. Well, hey, I didn't know that about you, but now I do. <sighs> Shit happens. What have you been up to this week? What have you been watching? You know, I started a new shift at work for a temporary shift a couple hours earlier than normal, but I'm starting at six in the morning, so I haven't been Ugh. staying up. Yeah, I haven't been staying up quite as late as I am wont to do, but I did get a chance to uh, check out UFC 293. I won myself about, I don't know, 25 bucks or so on the on the main event, so I can't be too upset about that. I didn't get a chance to watch any of that yet. I've seen a couple clips that have flown around the internet, but... As a whole, was the event worth going back to, or is it one that I'm kind of okay with just seeing the clips? I feel like the main event was definitely worth it, but the fights leading up to it, maybe the last, I'm trying to think, the last two fights before the main event, like the final three, were pretty good, and the main event, you know, the main event was good, but... I saw a really good, like, knockout face kick from two women fighters, but I wasn't sure if it was from this week or just, like, a random, like, look at this face kick that UFC put up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember seeing a women fight on the fight card beforehand. So I was like, I didn't think there was a women's match this week, but I could be wrong. I don't think there was on the main card. And I watched hmm. some of the undercard, but I don't know if there was much of anything going on there either. So I don't know what that would have been from. But eh. yeah, I, I fully admit that I just totally gorged myself on football this week. So this week, for those who are not watching live now, which will be pretty much anyone who hears this at this point. This is the first week of NFL football and second week of college football. So I basically got home on Friday and kind of crashed. And I was like, I'm not leaving this couch for the whole weekend. And basically just kind of sat, sat around watching football. So I, I met up with you for a drink on Friday. That was about the extent of my leaving the house this weekend. Yeah, I did. I That was pretty much me leaving the house too. But by the time this comes out in early October... This will be old news, but a game called Starfield came out from Bethesda Studios at Microsoft. It's like on Game Pass. It's if you've played like Skyrim or Fallout four, three or I was four. Gonna say, is it just another reimagining of Skyrim? Um, Skyrim in space. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a Bethesda game. I don't really have a whole lot of commentary on it. I'm not like super deep into it, but it seems interesting so far. I have my little gripes, but this isn't a video game podcast, so I won't won't get into that too much. And honestly, I haven't played enough to really have too much of an opinion on that. But the other thing that I'm excited about that I haven't got a chance to try yet is if you are not watching the live stream, like John mentioned, is probably a lot of people, but you may have noticed if you are watching the live stream or if you've watched any of our videos in the past, I shave my head. So I, I see I'm pointing to it, which makes it more authentic that I shave it. And there's a little bit of a shiny spot right here. Yeah, so I got a new razor that costs like... A, an actual bladed razor that costs way too much money called the leaf razor and i'm going to be checking that out so i'm sure in the next couple this is not sponsored they're, we're not getting they're not paying me to talk about this believe me or if they are john doesn't know about it but i'll um <laughs> in the next couple of weeks maybe i'll talk about it because i i just got it today and i didn't want to show up with like a bloody whole head 
for this specific video. Maybe as we get closer know, to Halloween. Yeah, that could have been a whole thing. If you came on looking like you got in a fight with a weed whacker, I might just roll with it and see what happened. But yeah, I mean, I haven't, like I said, I've been working some early and it feels like getting up at 5.30 and working until 3 and then my kids come home and then everything happens after that and I'm pretty much in bed by shit. What time is it now? I'm usually in, in bed around this time <laughs> or if not in 20 minutes from now. So right. I haven't been doing nothing and I've wanted to do like watch stuff, but I just haven't gotten to much of anything other than on the weekend. But I pretty much laid around and did next to nothing this weekend. I didn't hit a football. whole ton of stuff outside of like I said, football that I mentioned. I did watch The Machine Girl, which I'm guessing you might or might not have seen that before. Japanese movie? Uh, sure. I, I, I don't know what nationality it is, but it's definitely an Asian flick. Could be Chinese, could be Korean. I don't know for sure. And I don't mean that to sound shitty. I just honestly don't know. But that movie is entirely over the fucking top and violent as hell. And I don't know, we mentioned B karate movies or something like that, or B martial arts movies a couple weeks ago, and I, I gotta think this would probably fall into that, and I was fairly entertained by it for a hour and a half movie that's probably got the body count equivalent of, you know, what Steven Seagal and Sylvester Stallone have killed in one movie at a time. Yeah, when I ran that B movie website, we talked about Machine Girl, so I haven't seen it since, but it's been, mm -hmm. it's been a while, came out in 2008. Yeah, it's, it's... It's totally ridiculous, and it looks in a lot of ways like crap, but it's also that kind of like, this looks like crap, but I'm entertained by this crap, so I'm kind of okay with it. You know what I'm saying with that? I know what you're saying. It's kind of like Story of Ricky, how they, it's just ultra-violent, yeah. like over the top. Yes, exactly. But yeah, that's entertaining. That's on Tubi right now, so if you, this isn't the Tubi recommendation show, but if you, that's, that's for a different day of the week, but that's worth checking out at some point if you just want something insane to put on the other thing i only got about two-thirds of the way through on this movie and then i kind of fell asleep which speaks to how excited i was by it i started metalocalypse the army of doomstar so i used to love the shit out of the show when it came on at like two in the morning or whatever it was on adult swim and i've kind of realized this with aqua teen as well and any of these any of these adult swim shows that they've tried to stretch out to more than a 10 minute runtime small doses man <laughs> small doses work so much better for these shows and maybe this movie like redeems itself in the last like 30 minutes and i just haven't got to it yet but for those who aren't aware the the show revolves around a death metal band and hilarity ensues most of the time but most of this movie so far from what i've seen is just nathan being depressed and bitchy i thought you were gonna say hilarity doesn't ensue <laughs> It, in fact, does not ensue. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things I laughed at on it, but I don't know. For a show that used to have me, like, and maybe it's because I wasn't in the right state of mind with it, but I don't know. The show used to keep me pretty entertained on a regular basis, and I could even marathon through, like, a whole season of it, which sounds like a lot, but it's only, like, two hours. It's not really that much. I had a hard time, not necessarily a hard time following, just st staying interested in it, which is kind of a problem, I would think, for a movie. It's kind of like the SNL issue right where they take a, a premise like a skit and they try to stretch it out where they've had some success with a few movies but yeah there's always it's just pat right so well there's that or they do the op opposite of it where it's like it works for one movie and then they beat the dead horse and it becomes wayne's world 2 or something like that well that's probably not the best example that movie's okay yeah but... i was gonna say i thought wayne's world 2 was okay wasn't great no well i think the problem with wayne's world 2 is in comparison to the first one it doesn't even come close yeah it's been so long since i've seen two i feel like i maybe want to introduce one to my kids but it almost seems like it's too dated to actually go and do that 
Like they probably wouldn't get any of the joke. Well, they might get some of the jokes, but I don't know. It probably is too dated, but that might be kind of part of the fun of it at the same time. It's, I don't know, that movie is one of my favorite like comedy movies to watch. So I, I put it on somewhat regular, but yeah, I have no idea if that would translate to a different generation for sure. But yeah, past that, I haven't really watched a whole lot of other shit. It's basically just been the same kind of stuff and like kind of getting back into the groove of football season. So I guess we can go into the pumpkin patch and talk about the demon of heads of pumpkins or something. (laughs) Unless you got anything else you want to get into. No, let's just cut to the chase. We'll get straight to it. I had such a perfect segue there too. So King of the Subway. King of the Subway. And you have a gourd in your pants. Uh, No. (laughs) No, I don't. So does this make you uncomfortable, John? It's one of my not, favorite not things to do. Anyway, so we're talking about the movie Pumpkinhead, which is the directorial debut of Stan Winston. It stars Lance Hendrickson and a bunch of other fucking people. And we usually start these with third party review. And today will be no exception. This review comes from Taylor L on Rotten Tomatoes. He gives it two and a half out of five stars. So right down the middle, he says, Call me crazy, but shouldn't a monster in a movie called Pumpkinhead have a pumpkin for a head? Instead, it basically looks like the xenomorph with the skin of a nursing home resident. Pumpkinhead is one of those perfectly functional films that doesn't really leave too much off the mark, but it does so without doing too much wrong at the same time, which I think that might be a, a um, oh, it might be a statement that kind of comes back up throughout the course of this conversation. But what's this movie about? Hmm. So the IMDb storyline of this movie, you can go on imdb.com and read all about it, like an extra extra. It says, after a group of young adults accidentally kill a young boy named Billy Harley, his father Ed is devastated, and the only thing he wants is revenge. He goes on to an old woman who is said to be a witch and conjures a demonic creature known as Pumpkinhead and unleashes him on the young adults. Damn young adults. I know. Goddamn kids. Killing kids. We were talking about Family Guy the other day, and I would really like to see a pumpkin head with boxing gloves on, just saying, up yours, young people. That would be more, more entertaining to me. Wearing Nikes? Sure. That that will be included. So, did you have you seen this? This is kind of a... I think this movie would qualify as a cult classic, because I know a lot of people that love the shit out of this movie. And I remember liking this movie a lot as a impressionable teenager, for whatever reason. And... To be totally upfront, I kind of haven't watched it in like 20 years or so. It's been a really long time since I've decided to put this back on. This movie was suggested to us, and I don't have it in with me right now who suggested it, so I apologize for that. We'll include that somewhere down the line. But I was kind of looking forward to going back to it just because I hadn't seen it in such a long time. Did you have any real prior experience with this movie or any preconceived notions about it? Well, I think those are two different, uh, two different things to talk about, but... <laughs> This movie came out in 1988, in full disclosure. I was 11 years old when this movie came out, because I'm old AF. And I remember my friends going to see this with their, what, 12th? 12th, what am I talking about? Sixth grade dates to go see this movie, and I I didn't have a sixth grade date, so I, and I wasn't invited anyways. And them talking about, I want to say I remember them talking about how cool it was, but I had just heard over time how kind of not cool it was. So I just, I had never seen it. I never went out of my way to go see it. I've seen a lot of bad horror movies. Not to say this is one or isn't one, 
but it's like one of those kind of B movies that seemed like it had a pretty good budget and a big pedigree behind it because we had Stan Winston directing his first big deal. So no, I didn't really have much. The only thing I kind of thought about it was I had heard it wasn't that great of a movie, but never, you know, I didn't like go on Rotten Tomatoes and read reviews or go on IMDb to read the, the public to see what they had to say or any of that stuff. So I really didn't, I kind of went into this thinking, eh, I heard this is kind of okay. And I had heard about the, the pumpkin head with Nikes on and stuff like that. That's pretty much all I had, I had heard about. I mean, the pumpkin head with Nikes is the most terrifying part of this entire movie because that means he's just going to do it, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say he was into child slave labor or something. Wow, you went dark. In a movie about a demon, <laughs> you went dark. <laughs> so What can I say? So, you know, we kind of touched on it. This movie is basically just a weird demon revenge flick. It's kind of what the majority of this movie is. Did we say this? I, I wasn't listening close enough, apparently, because I was looking something up when you read, like, uh, yeah. So Lance Hendrickson basically goes to a witch in the middle of the woods and summons this demon because some dirt bags dropped a dirt bike on his kid's head, essentially killing him. Okay. Yeah. Some di- dirt bike and dickheads dirt biked his kid into the dirt. Dirt bike and dickheads might be the tagline for this whole podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we think about it, though, kind of like that. It's the kid's fault. It's the dog's fault. It's it's Gypsy's fault. But it's this kid's fault, and these don't, people don't can't blame run fast the fucking enough. dog. The dog's the best part, like the best character in this movie, because the dog's always the best character in the movie. In in the movie, you movies, can blame the kid or all in of them. This yep, movie. You can blame the kid, but don't go blaming the fucking dog. Well, he went after the dog, Billy. Billy Harley, and I do want to also mention Lance Hendrickson's name in this is Ed Harley. And all I could think of was Ed Hardy and that he should be wearing some kind of like shirt with a, a skull with like snakes and shit coming out of it. God, wouldn't that be a great touch? This movie, you just had some like bedazzled crosses on the back of his jeans or something through this entire film. That would be amazing <laughs> if they remake this. I know that there, there's like four or five of these now, but if they were to I've like, heard they were talking about either rebooting this or turning it into a, doing something with this property, better or worse, but they need to make his name Ed Hardy. That'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Need to make a dead hearty. That would be fantastic. So yeah, so we get the dirtbag dickhead kids, or what do we say? Young adults. Dirtbag and dirt bike and dickheads. Yeah. Dirt bike and dickheads. Yeah. Basically, as soon as he kills this kid, like that's supposed to be the big turning point of this movie. And then from that point on, it's basically the one kid's an asshole. The kid who killed the kid is an asshole. And everyone else is just kind of along for the ride, regardless of what he's gonna do. In the, what's going to happen in this movie. There's some fun little like tidbits in there, like the cabin that they're in is the same cabin that was used for Friday the 13th Part 4, a far better movie, in my opinion, with a better monster. But it's cool to see that little touch. There's some other things that tie back. Obviously, like I, the monster in this movie looks... Saying this monster looks like the Xenomorph is probably like almost selling the Xenomorph short. It is... <laughs> That review that we read that said it's basically a xenomorph with like dried out skin, that's that's pretty accurate. And I hadn't realized that this extent until I watched it this time. I was like, God, that really does look a lot like the fucking xenomorph. And maybe it's because we just talked about it last week, but it does feel kind of like hillbilly alien. Yeah, the xenomorph, or I'm sorry, <laughs> xenomorph. Pumpkinhead definitely needed some moisturizer because he's looking a little dry. He's looking a little worse for wear. Just a bit. But this, this this whole movie is like Joel, the the guy who actually hits the kid with the dirt bike. So the kid runs out while these two dirt bike and dickheads are jumping a hill, and they almost hit him the first time. The first kid almost hits him, and the se- and calling these people kids, 
is a real stretch because they're probably they're like brothers like and 18, their girlfriends and friend yeah they're well I, I think the guy the main guy joel looks like he could be in his 30s he looks as old as i do well i think by movies like what they expect them to be in the movie is like young 20s to late teens yeah but he like holds him hostage this whole time after he after he runs over this kid well, he's a dickhead he's a dirt bike and dickhead exactly but the whole thing is like this premise it's set up because he had a couple beers driving in his car. They're driving him and his brother and the brother's friends are driving in two separate cars. And he he's driving this bitchin' silver Corvette, downs a couple beers. And then he's afraid that if he, once he hits this kid, it's an, it is all an accident. It's all innocent, except for this kid and the, the goddamn dog. But it's the whole premise is this accident. And they don't want to call the police because he's he's on probation because he like hit some other kid or something, didn't he? Or he hit somebody else when he was drunk. So he's on probation. Dirt bike and dickhead just gets drunk and drops bikes on children. Yeah. Sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah. You know, real model citizen for sure. So yeah, basically as a result of that, Ed Hardy, as we're going to call him for the rest <laughs> of this episode, he gets all rightfully pissed off because this dickhead just killed his kid. And he tries, he goes, well, I guess we should backtrack. He sees Pumpkinhead as a kid. He's like in the prologue of this movie. Like you see him watch Pumpkinhead like murder the shit out of someone. Wasn't it his dad or something like no, that? No, it's like a neighbor or something. So he watches Pumpkinhead murder the shit out of his neighbor and, you know, makes a mental note. Like if some dirt bike and dickhead ever crushes my kid's skull with a dirt bike, that's what I got to do. Let's get this Pumpkinhead feller. So he does just that. He goes and finds this like creepy ass witch in the middle of bumfuck Nevada or wherever they are. Um, we're really not being nice to this movie, but that's fine. Basically pays her, you know, about tree fitty. Yeah. And he initially wants her to bring the kid back to life. That's his goal is to reanimate the dead. And she's like, well, I can't do that, but I can do this. And she yeah. basically tells him like, I can't save your kid, but I can get you some revenge. That's pretty good too. Writing is like, yeah, fuck that dirt biking dickhead. Let's get some revenge. So he goes and digs up the grave of Pumpkinhead, drags his corpse back to the uh, shack, does some like blood ritual thing. And now him and Pumpkinhead are like blood brothers for the duration of the movie is essentially what happens. And then, yeah, we're kind of off to the races and like typical monster i don't want to call this a slasher but kind of typical creature feature crack uh fashion where here's the creature let's see what happens here's the feature accurate yeah i do want to add lance hendrickson in this movie is older than i am today and that motherfucker is ripped he <laughs> there's a scene where he's like doing some some i don't know he's raking some dirt or whatever it is that people out in the desert do or wherever the hell he is people in the desert that own a store for like one person to come to to come by and buy feed this guy's right. got a hundred pack on his on his stomach <laughs> he's got more muscles on his stomach than i think most people have in their whole body like dude this guy's 48 years old this comes after after dark what is it called after dark the movie near dark near dark near dark the vampire movie near dark mm -hmm. he's just i can't get over how tore up this guy is he's just yoked it's him ed hardy jeans you know you get a workout just putting them on He's got to wrestle to get that affliction shirt on. Yeah, exactly. Just tap out like flat bill cap to go with it. <laughs> He's oh ripped. God, I want this Ed Hardy. I want this Ed Hardy in this movie so much more now. <laughs> and in fairness, Lance Hendrickson's great in this movie. Like he's great in pretty much everything, but he's great in this movie. But I really want to replace him with just like an Ed Hardy poster boy at this point because it works. 
I mean, he's really the only named actor in this movie. There are people that I recognize. They're, like, Mayim Bialik is in this yeah. as one of the dirty kids, and there's a couple people that you kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that girl from this as a kid. Or it's that guy who was in Doogie Hauser on an episode as a teacher. You this know, is like, like when she was Blossom still, isn't it? Or right around pre, there? Pre. Because I think pre-blossom? she's one of the little kids, like one of the, she's got to be six or eight years old or something, like really young. Okay. So, yeah, and I don't know, I I guess the thing that's weird about this movie, the strength of this movie is that they, when they do show you Pumpkinhead or the Xenomorph, whatever you want to call him in this movie, one, Hillbilly Alien, yeah, Hillbilly Alien, you get a lot of really good shots of the monster. Like, this is not a movie that, like, it does a little bit of hiding the monster. It does a little, like, there's a really great scene where he walks by the window in the in the cabin that they're hiding in that looks really cool because you get an idea of how big this fucking thing is and there's the scene where he pushes the one chick's like face through the glass which is kind of cool but most of what you see a pumpkin head to its credit it's pumpkin head like full frame here he is like he's not obscured by like he's not in the bushes he's yeah, not, he's not hiding behind a fence in the dirt or, or something or whatever or half yeah a wall. You're, you're seeing this thing all like I got to think that 90% of this budget went to making this thing appear on screen as much as it did. And it looks pretty good for what it is. Like, it's got to be a guy in a rubber suit. I, I know it's a guy in a rubber suit because I've seen him with the Nikes on. Um, <laughs> it looks pretty good for what it is. It's just, I don't know. This is a product of its time and not being able to do as much with the effects and the budget that they had. Or if they just saw it and thought this is going to be intense enough let's just leave it like this but and i haven't seen the sequel so i don't know if like in the sequels he's throwing people in leg locks and like making them tap out or whatever no clue (laughs) but i guess the biggest thing that's like a disappointment with this is you know you have a decent enough body count there's only like eight characters in this movie and the majority of them get some kind of fucked up at some point but there's nothing like aside from the monster itself there's nothing overly memorable about this movie i'd agree there's really not. I mean, like we said from the cast, we have one actor that you really remember being in it, Lance Henriksen, who does, like we said, a hell of a job. The creature looks really cool, but there's not even like any memorable, really any memorable kills that happen that you can be like, that's that's it. That's the one. You got to watch this movie to see this thing that happens. It's a really interesting concept in the movie. I feel like I say this a lot, but it, it does play in these two halves. You have this first half of the movie that's this movie is about an hour and 28 minutes, I think, or hour and 26 or something right around there, about an hour and a half, which I'm okay with that. 126. But it's, you get that first 45 minutes is all this buildup to these teens, these young adults or whatever that go into the, the general store that Ed Hardy owns and the kid gets hurt. And then we have about in that 45 minutes, the 20 minutes or so of of Ed trying to figure out what the hell he's going to do. And he finds the witch and he wants the kid resurrected. And we've already gone over all this stuff, but then Pumpkinhead comes and he starts taking out his victims one by one. And then this is a whole second half of a movie. And even once Pumpkinhead is really revealed as being this killer, this, this creature or whatever, then we have another, I don't know, probably half an hour of chasing the last few people down or actually all the kids at first, and then it's kind of like they get taken out really quick, and the last couple people are the ones that seem like they last forever. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's the biggest problem with this movie. There's This movie, would if you left everything the same, but added just one really memorable kill, just something like, and again, I'm just, for the sake of argument, have him rip someone in half, or, you know, he 
takes a one chick up the tree and holds her up there forever like and drops around like a, a tree stump or something like that's brutal in the sense that like yes that would be a terrible way to die being dropped out of like a 30 foot tree by a monster but in even in like let's take away like your terrifiers and all that shit that we have now even by like 1988 standards those are pretty tame like deaths like you see you hear a splat and you hear a thud but there's no real like carnage in this movie to kind of go along with it it's all kind of left to your imagination and that'd be fine but i'd rather have the monster left with my imagination until the end of the movie as opposed to seeing like what the monster does which you really never get a payoff on or at least not a great payoff on i definitely agree with you i think that keeping the monster a little bit more under wraps i mean this is a stan winston movie so you're expecting and stan winston has done so many effects so many really great ones very memorable ones and you expect a lot of them came after this movie but still yeah but you expect that this is going to be just hearing the reputation that he has even pre this movie, you know, obviously we're watching it in retrospect, sure. but you expect like, oh, Stan Winston gets, he's helming this movie. It's going to be this crazy special effects laden thing. And while it is in some respect with that monster, there's just no, nothing really on top of that. That's really anything special. I mean, there, it's not, the movie's not bad by any means, but there's just like, no. there's just not anything that really happens to make you excited about it. And like I said, you're expecting with it having this pedigree, you know, the director having this pedigree and for just for reference, like Stan Winston did this movie first and they did what, uh, Terminator the, the gnome name Norm or whatever. Oh yeah. That too. Which so. we, we're going to have to do. We're going to have to talk about yeah. that. Not on this podcast, but I think creeps me the fuck out. So when you sent me that the other night, right, I was like way gone. <laughs> That's why the only thing I replied to you no. like thirty minutes later was no. Because <laughs> I looked while. at it, I was like, the fuck is this? Just to but mention you got a definite no. Yeah, just to give frame of reference to all you people listening out there, gnome is it a gnome named Norm, and gnome is obviously spelled with a G and Norm is spelled with a G, and it's a movie starring Mike um Anthony Michael Hall, I couldn't remember his name. I'm thinking like Philip Seymour Hoffman and all these people. And he's a police detective that teams up with a little gnome that looks like it's some kind of, I don't know, animatronic. He or looked something. like a dark crystal. He looked kind like of person. Yeah, that too. I was going to say um, in the Robin Williams version of Jumanji, they turned that one kid into a chimp for a little bit. He kind of looks like that. But it's like. And in my state of mind, when you sent it to me, I was not ready for that. So. <laughs> And it's like <laughs> Stan Winston blew his load on Pumpkinhead and they kind of relegated him to if he's, hey, if you're going to do a movie again, you got to do this family cop movie or whatever the fuck it, it is. And then you're going to do music videos like that's really he did like four other music videos and that's all his directing credits are, which are really kind of sad because this movie, while a budget well, was like three and a half, it made like, I don't know, 10, 10 million or something like that. Well, the other thing with this movie, too, that makes that a sad statement is, I mean, I think we're both kind of showing our hand you're like i don't think either of us is going to rate this as like you know a 10 out of 10 or whatever uh it's definitely seven for me sure uh i don't think anyone's gonna like on this podcast is going to claim that this is some like instant classic but there's enough here that for a first outing for a director that i would have loved to have seen him go more into whether it's horror or sci-fi or just genre stuff in general like something where he could kind of grow into that craft and kind of flex on it a little bit more as opposed to doing this gnome movie and then just going back to effects not to take anything away from the effects because obviously we've talked about terminator 2 and jurassic park i'm sure 
plenty of times on this podcast. They're fantastic films, but you have to wonder if he had had a chance to do, I don't know what, but a bunch of more things like kind of let him learn his craft and become a better director. What could have been? Yeah. And I mean, just getting, letting him take a sequel of something that was already established and seeing what he would have done. It, It seems like a real, like, I don't know if he pissed somebody off or like what the, He's like in directing Purgatory. He's just not, he didn't have anything really to do after this besides the no movie. And it seems like with all the expertise that he has in other things, he's written things, he's produced things, obviously. When it came up, when the movie starts, it says something like a a Stan Winston production or a Stan Winston film. That's what it says. And I was like, I know he directed this. What the fuck does that mean? Like, why is it a Stan Winston film? And then it's, he must have had a hand in, I think he wrote part of, he, he was like a writer on it. He had a lot of a big hand in it, but I don't know. I, I don't know the, enough of the backstory to be like, why, why did he not get a chance to do anything else besides this and that other thing? Yeah. Even if he was, and again, the timeline wouldn't work out, but even if he was going to do like a monster squad two or something like that, like if you wanted to make him do a family film, put him in a universe like that, where he can at least be creative of what he's good at and kind of, I don't know. It just feels like a real missed opportunity for all of us that he didn't get to do more behind the director's chair. I'm not saying he would have been the next Wes Craven or whatever, but who knows? Maybe he would have been great in his own right. And we also don't know if this is, that was his choice. You know, maybe he did this and he was like, that's true too. Yeah. It ain't the juice ain't worth the squeeze on this. Right. I put so much time into this and this is the shit that I got out of it. So maybe it was a, a totally voluntary thing. That's, 100% 100% possible. So, anyway, this movie carries on. Eventually, spoilers for this however many-year-old movie, 35-year-old movie. Eventually, we find out that this whole blood bond that him, that Lance, that Ed Hardy and Pumpkinhead has. You're going to laugh every time I say that, aren't you? Well, now I'm laughing <laughs> that you're you're confusing his name. <laughs> yeah. Which is almost as good as him just being Ed Hardy. Basically, we find out that the way to kill Pumpkinhead is to kill Ed Hardy. Is... <laughs> a better sense i like it that way yeah that's essentially what this movie boils down to and they allude to it so that we the audience know about it about 20 minutes before the characters figure it out and they kind of do it in like a really comical way because ed hardy basically falls onto a pitchfork and is like ow and then looks over at pumpkin head across the way and he's like hey so he's like double ow bingo Better go to the car, get the gun. I mean, it wraps up kind of quick, and that's fine. Because if this movie went on for two hours, I'm pretty sure I'd be livid about it. It's fairly, like, uneventful. You know, you see at the end of the movie, they bury Lance Hendrickson in Pumpkinhead's grave. You know, I guess that's leaving the door open for a sequel. Like I said, I never saw two or, I think there's like five or six of these movies now, something like that. There's at least four. Yeah, there's. so I never saw any of the sequels, so... I don't know how he comes back after this. I don't really care, to be perfectly honest, but I don't know. I mean, this movie, I can see why people liked it, but I think a lot of what that might be is holding on to nostalgia. Like I said, I remember liking this movie quite a bit when I was in high school, but I think I just liked the monster and what the effects were that I was seeing. I'm not entirely sure that I was paying attention to the story or what was actually going on in the movie. And like I said, I just, I can't really find a lot that's memorable in this other than the look of the character i do think it has some cool ideas like the symbiotic relationship between ed 
and the mon and Pumpkinhead. I was gonna say the monster, but obviously Pumpkinhead. That some of the some of the the witchcrafty kind of stuff is is interesting, and the the little Podunk town or whatever the Podunk community center where all the hillbillies live together and they're all dirty and shit. Like, I guess that could be interesting, and and maybe in the other movies they kind of explore that. And there's like a kid that's he's the older older son or the older grandson or whatever Bunt who helps out a couple of the, the young adults or teens or whatever the fuck they're supposed to be. The 30 year old names are kid bunt. Yeah. I don't know, but he helps them out. And then it's like, well, anybody that helps out Pumpkinhead is going to, you know, Pumpkinhead's going to carry out justice and all this stuff. So it, it has these kind of interesting ideas, but yeah, in the long run, it just doesn't really have anything that, that really draws you in or would cause you to want to really go back and revisit the movie. And that's kind of unfortunate in a way, but in another way, it's like, well, I mean, there's not really much to go back to once you've seen it. I feel like this is a movie, like once you've seen it, you've seen it, there's nothing, you're not going to see some little tidbit in the corner, like some little Easter egg that, right. Yeah. You're just kind of like, oh, okay. I've seen that. That's a thing I've seen. (laughs) I don't think I'll see it again, but I've seen it. Want to fire up the grill? Yeah, let's just get the hot dogs. It's really funny because this is this is probably a shorter episode for us just because, I don't know, maybe we get into it with hot dogs, but there's just not really all that much to talk about. It's not like overly interesting and it's kind of a, a bit of a downer for the first Horrorween 2023 episode that we're that we're rolling out here. Well, sometimes that happens. So I'll go ahead and kick us off this kind of time because why not? So um like i said i did go into this movie with a little bit of nostalgia for it i for it if you had asked me last week i probably would have said oh yeah pumpkin it's great it's a fun movie it's got monster and good stuff watching it again this week i found myself kind of bored through it which is again not the best sign it managed to stay awake though so that's good um i just noticed that the witch's name is haggis i kind of like that it's a nice little touch but i mean ultimately what you're getting in this movie you're getting a movie that it looks good. It's shot well. Lance Hendrickson is great in it. He's great in pretty much everything that he's in, though. You have an effective movie in the sense that, like, from a technical standpoint, everything's fine. But also from a technical standpoint, nothing's necessarily great other than the look of the monster itself. Coming from a, granted, a first-time director, but a guy who worked on a movie like Alien that is so great at, like, being a movie that does so much by hiding the monster from you for the majority of the movie you almost wish he would have picked up a little bit of that and hit a little bit more of the monster and give us a little bit more of the carnage that the monster is doing i think that would have worked more but we didn't get that that's not the movie we got all in all i mean this is kind of right in the middle for me this is five pumpkin hot dogs out of 10 it's watchable there's nothing technically wrong here but there's also nothing technically great the kind of lifted above the pack. I'm basically just going to repeat what you said because literally like <laughs> I don't have any complaints about the movie. I really don't. It's not overly long. We've said it's an hour and 26 minutes and that's, you know, that that's that's pretty good. Like it it holds your attention, but you know, not really that strongly. There's nothing to hate, but unfortunately that means there's not really much to love either. The the Pumpkinhead monster is kind of menacing enough, but there's not really any tension or anything that kind of screams quote unquote scariness about him. I mean, I think the closest I got to a jump scare in this movie is near the end when Gypsy the dog kind of jumps on Bunt when he's in the house. And that's, he just kind of jumps off screen into somebody's arms. Yeah. And I, that's, I think that says a lot when that's like the, the scariest part of the movie. It's a decent story. It's a decent monster. It's a, a, a decent movie overall. 
I got to kind of go with you. I give Pumpkinhead six broken dirt bike chains out of 11 hot dogs. And that was one of my, I did laugh out loud when the guy's trying to get away on the dirt bike near the end and Pumpkinhead lifts his finger up and the chain's like dangling dangling from his fingered nail and then he picks the bike up and like slams him on the ground. Because he needs to take the chain off to do all the work. Right. Yeah. Right. Like he wouldn't just teleport in front of him or whatever. Right. So yeah, that's Pumpkinhead. So we have question of the week to go along with it. So where do we want to start? Pick a, so we have Instagram, Threads, and Twitter, or X. Which one should we start with? Let's start with Threads. Why the hell not? Threads. Okay. Question of the week is loading back up. There it is. All right. So the question of the week is, in honor of us talking about Stan Winston's debut film, what is your favorite practical effect? Any movie doesn't have to be Stan Winston, just favorite practical effect on threads bearded amoeba which i really like that handle it's a great handle said everything penguin in batman returns his version is what i see whenever i think of that character different route but i like it where to next you want to go over to x or do you want to go over to instagram let's do instagram spin the wheel our only reply on instagram was from our good friend jordana who you will be hearing more uh from this month she runs pretty killer podcast and she responded with the thing and in particular she's referring to the chestburster scene where the head falls off crawls off and that whole fucking scene is bongos like <laughs> really hard to argue that scene being a good choice for a great practical effect scene I- I've never heard the word bonkos before, but I like that it's like bonkers and bongos. It's like a combination of the two. It's from Seinfeld. Oh, are you thinking of Bosco? No, it says bonkos. I forget what what it's in reference to now, but I know it's from Seinfeld. All right. Take your word for it. This leaves us with X, the social media network formerly known as Twitter something. I've heard of it. Yeah. So Dissect That Film chimed in first and they said everything Rob Button did the thing it's a sight to behold had to divulge into that and he concurred with jordana with the chest opening scene and everything that follows and include a gif of the spider fucking thing hanging from the ceiling again that's a really hard one to argue that's just a great scene our friend boomer over from podcast in the woods says the death of the abomination in the evil dead remake is such an amazing disgusting bloody as hell scene with the practical effects of the chainsaw to the face, the blood in the rain, and the lighting and the fiery cabin in the background, it's one of the most metal deaths as fuck deaths in all horror. I'm not a big fan of this particular movie, and we've gone over my reasons for not liking the new Evil Dead movies, but he's not wrong. This scene is fucking brutal as hell. It's intense, and it is... If anyone was going to ask me why they should watch that particular movie, I would say the that scene is the reason why because like we said about Pumpkinhead, that it doesn't have this it doesn't have that one scene that you can point to and say that's why you got to watch this movie this scene is 100 percent one of those this is why you have to watch this movie type of scenes and i know a lot of people love that movie but that scene like I said sells it and then you'll like this last one because you've brought this one up and i know you're gonna be subjected to this at some point so adam at dr snakes two s's in the beginning of snakes says the shunting from society screaming mad george is amazing for this yeah that's i i think that the the effects in that movie are just and that specific thing are just so grotesque because it's all these bodies kind of melding together and it's so just drippy and like goopy so it's kind of revolting at the same time as like it's amazing i don't like to look at it i don't like that kind of like 
bubblegum stretch skin that's it's all melting together it's 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 gross i mean it's definitely gross <laughs> yeah it's kind of slither-esque a little bit which i think they probably took inspiration because it's pretty pretty damn near close to the slug you're saying slither took, slither took oh, yeah, from okay. society yeah for sure and that's I think, why I, th- I was like society came out like 80s right yeah so. i think that 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 movie is really kind of underrated in a way i think it's fucked up. So. Yeah, it de- it's definitely fucked up. All right. Why don't you go ahead and let us know your favorite practical effects, Sean? I've got a couple. I think the two that really come to mind are American Werewolf in, in London, the transformation scene. That's a, that's a big one. I mean, that's so classic and so so well done. I mean, the cuts are really well done. The The makeup is really well done. The, the stuff inside, you know, the bubbling skin and all that stuff, the hands extending, the mouth extending... It's all just really amazing, especially for the time. The other thing I kind of concur with a couple other people, specifically in the thing, is the head, like, dripping, ripping and dripping off the body after the chest opening scene and it kind of scurrying away and getting melted. And I do like, not mentioned, but I do like a lot, and it's one of the things that really revolted me a lot as a young person, are... The Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, the face-melting stuff from that, from the opening the Ark and Don't Look at the Ark and all that stuff. And the other thing we talked about just a little while ago is the chestburster from Alien, I think. Watching it now, it's not quite as impressive, I feel, but at the time, as a younger person, the first couple times I saw it, like I said in the podcast, I couldn't even watch it. I had to look away while that happens because it was just so visceral and so like believable that it would be a real thing. Well, that scene has the extra, like, knowing now, which you probably didn't know then, that they, the crew didn't know what was coming. Yeah. That kind of adds a whole different level to the practical yeah, a bit of a different dynamic. Right. So, for me, I mean, there's, I could probably babble on about practical effects scenes I love for, like, days, which I won't. I gotta mention Fluffy from Creepshow, because you can't talk about practical effects without bringing up something that Tom Sweeney did, I feel like. That's one of my favorite, like, just... Anything that that thing does is is great. I really enjoy the machete through the eyeball that we get in part four of Friday the 13th. That's really well done and looks really gnarly through the whole thing. I am still blown away by some of Spielberg's effects, both both in um, Jaws and in Jurassic Park. Just knowing that that, not just done practically, but with these giant rubber monsters that they built and like basically disintegrated after they were done with each shot. I, I those are really high on my list. But the one I'm gonna like mention as far as my favorite, probably because it's so fucking ridiculous and I, I share it all the time, is the basketball scene from Deadly Fred. Because <laughs> that scene is it's a better head explosion than Scanners. It's a better head explosion than Dawn of the Dead. Any other that comes to mind. It's so ridiculous and it's just fucking great. And every time that I share it, I get at least three people that are like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And, and it's the mom um, from Through Mama from the Train and the Goonies getting their heads exactly. blown to bits. <laughs> right. By a basketball. It's, right. And <laughs> while the, the rest of her body goes to instant rigor mortis and bounces off the wall, it's perfect. But yeah, Deadly Friends probably the one that I would go to as a favorite. Like I said, it it always manages to get a response, and there's always people who haven't seen it that is one of those little tucked away movies that it's not as weird as some of the stuff that we watch, but it's definitely weird enough that people don't, the general public is not aware of 
that movie and that scene. And that that's just kind of a weird movie in general because it has this that whole kind of teen romance scene thing. Or like the the movie's got this teen romance element to it, and then it has that horror thing as well. The other thing I, I forgot to mention, and I always wonder how they did it, is in Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead, the that guy climbing up the boxes and the the helicopter oh, the helicopter like cutting the yeah. how the hell did they do that that's that seems that's very safe. dangerous <laughs> <laughs> so the zombie crawls up on these boxes or something to get a look of the people getting on the helicopter and the helicopter blade cuts the top of his head off and blood just like pours down you're like what the fuck how did what crazy person did that and how how did they do it? You got to think that they probably ran it in reverse. Like they probably attached like this prosthetic to the top of his head, put it in reverse and told him just move downward. That still seems like there's such a huge margin for <laughs> Start error Start with your there. head above the blade and move it down. No, they, they had a string on it. They just went whoop. <laughs> exactly. Pulled a little curling and went whoop, 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 whoop. Right. <laughs> So we've talked practical effects. We've talked about Pumpkinhead and all his silliness. There's anything else that we want to cover on this one? No, I think you mentioned it earlier that you're kind of doing these to be recommended movies of the week on Thursdays. So if anybody's listening that hasn't seen those, we're going to be putting out a lot of kind of content on that just to talk about maybe movies we don't get a chance to talk about on the podcast that we really enjoy and they're free to watch. So you can't be free, right? Yeah. And some of those will be movies that we've covered. Some of them won't. Some will be something that like maybe it's a movie that I like and I just don't think either of us will want to have a long conversation about, but should still watch. It's kind of a nice way to just kind of take like a minute a week and just kind of go off the rails. You mentioned like some of these weird ones. We might or might not get to this one, but like this week we put one up about Hell Comes to Frogtown. So if you ever wanted to see Rowdy Roddy Piper try to repopulate the earth after a nuclear war that is now inhabited by frog people, it's your movie. And just to mention, that'll be the week that we recorded. So that's like in September. Yeah, exactly. The other thing I wanted to mention is that we have to talk about a gnome named Norm, and we have to do a double uh. feature with Ghost Chase, which if you don't know Ghost Chase, that's a Jason Lively movie. A bunch of people from Night of the Creeps are involved in this really, I haven't seen it, but it looks really ridiculous with a, I don't know, a special effect ghost that's helping them solve crimes or some shit. I don't, I don't know. Look it up. And, but I think we have to do a double feature and talk about both. That's my, that's my advocate, advocation. So it's like Scooby-Doo, but the ghost is like a cloud of pot smoke or something. <laughs> I haven't seen it. All right. Well, I've suffered through worse, so I'm sure I can suffer sure. through. Yeah. So, all right. So this is going to come out pretty early in Horrorween in our whole lead up to Halloween. So if you have any movies that you want us to talk about, maybe we can get them in kind of at the buzzer horror movies specifically through the month of October. We talk about horror all the time, but October is going to be all horror all the time. So let us know. Let us know in comments here. You can follow us on social media. We are at Dewey Pod Monster on pretty much fucking everything. Generally pretty quick to respond. So if you want to tell us to watch some crap, do it there too. And of course you can find all our episodes on any streaming platform. No, anyway, on any podcast platform. <laughs> You're not on Netflix yet. You can find our, our content on any podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Google, whatever. And then we have this YouTube channel, which we do some shit on too. And then Sean's got stuff. Sean, what about, what did I miss? Where, where can people combine, combine you, combine you, whatever. <laughs> I got to say one of the favorite swear, things. I'm, I'm sober today. That's the fucking problem. I haven't had anything to drink so, 
What are you think to smoke? One of my favorite things that we pushed on the pod on the on the podcast on the YouTube channel was that, and not because I did it, but I just thought it was ridiculous that Sylvester Stallone Cobra short of the AI uh, generated Sylvester Stallones and us with our Sylvester Stallone impersonations. But yeah, if you're interested in Michigan beer kind of beer content, you can check me out at youtube.drafttherapy.com. I'm also on social media networks, not streaming networks just quite yet, but on well, other than YouTube, but on social media at Draft Therapy. All right, so we're going to go sell or sold at Netflix since they're not paying writers. I may as well pay us. You have our own little late night show. Yeah, that'd be great. Although it's been a bad week for those too, hasn't it? And I just hear Jimmy Fallon's a dick slap. Oh, but that, I already knew that, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody's watching anyway. the show, so I guess it's all right. Yeah, fuck it. All right, that's all we got. We will talk to you guys soon and bring up some more spooky shit. Have a good week. Arrivederci. Sayonara butt face this time, I guess. Arrivederci butt face? Arrivederci butt face. All right. Pumpkinhead is in the books. Thank God. <laughs> oh, I should probably stop recording.